confidence in God grows as we seek Him. How do we operate? How can we be confident when there's so much to fear? Our passage today, Psalm 27, is helpful for us. I hope will be helpful to you and as it's been helpful to me. We see in Psalm 27 that King David is the author and he's showing how to have confidence and courage in the face of fearful times and fearful situations. He paints a picture for us of being humble yet confident in following our God. So let's start by reading Psalm 27. I'll read it and you follow along as I read. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have made, who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord and lead me in a level path because of my enemies. Give me not to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is God's word. And I believe the main message or the big idea of this passage is this. Confidence in God grows as we seek Him. Confidence in God grows as we seek Him. 
Now this psalm was written by David, as we see at the beginning. It says, of David. And David is the writer of many psalms and often the subject of the psalms. He's portrayed in the psalms usually in an idealistic sense, or a, he has a, a right thinking about him. And many of the original hearers of this psalm would have understood that uh, the king, King David, is the subject, and as the writer, basically as the king goes, so goes the nation. The original hearers would have understood that as the king goes, so goes the nation. Meaning that when the king is threatened, as we see that he's threatened in this psalm, the, the nation is also threatened. When the king thrives, the nation is also thriving. He's representing uh, the people of God. We also know that from reading the New Testament, the message of the Psalms becomes more clear, becomes more precise as we move along in the history of the world. For instance, we live at a time knowing that Jesus came and died and was raised again. But the psalmist prophesied that God would send a Savior. He talks about God's salvation in this passage, but he didn't know what that would look like. He believed God would save him, but he didn't know how that would play out. We have the benefit of having the Psalms and also having the New Testament, living in a time that we know, uh, we know what God's Savior looked like, that it was Jesus and is Jesus. So it's a little background to think about as we explore the Psalm. But I think the big part of this is this confidence in God. We see the confidence and courage of David when facing fear. He highlights this in verse 1 to 3. He says that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So we see that he starts this psalm with two questions. Whom shall I fear? And of whom shall I be afraid? These questions are somewhat rhetorical, meaning they highlight the fact that it doesn't make sense to be afraid or to be fearful when the Lord is his light and salvation and stronghold. And these three themes, these three aspects of God being light, salvation, and stronghold, we can see this throughout the, throughout the psalm. We're going to see these come up at, at different places. The light is important because we need light to see. There must be light in order for us to see something. It's necessary. And God is that illumination. God is the source of light that provides us to be able to see, and not just physically see, but to see Him for who He is, to see ourselves for who we are and our sinfulness, and to see the truth that we are separated from God because of our sin, and to see his salvation. So God is the light, and then he's also the salvation. This might mean or could point some to physical danger, salvation from physical danger. But I believe this is a spiritual uh, salvation. This is pointing to the gospel. God is the one who saves his people. He's the one who brings people to himself. He is the salvation. And then the third image is the Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Now, a stronghold here, it could be translated to refuge or a place of protection. I think the picture here is a a safe place, like a castle on a hill, a fortress. It's protected from all angles. It's a a retreat, a place to hide and, and even to rest, to catch your breath. There's a strong foundation underneath. This stronghold is a, is a place to stand that's stable. And that's the image that we see in this psalm. We need a stronghold. We need a safe place to go, a place to stand, a place to walk that's not going to fall out from underneath us. Now, verse 2 and 3, we're introduced to the enemies of David. He talks about God being the light and salvation and stronghold. But there are many reasons for him to be fearful. We see those in verse 2 and 3. There's evildoers who are assailing or attacking him to eat up his flesh. This gives the image of a, a lion or a tiger chasing after some prey. This is strong and, and hurtful uh, coming at him directly to, to cause him harm. His adversaries and foes. Verse 3, we see there's an army encamped against him and a war that's arising against him. There's war coming to him and he cannot avoid it. But we also see what is the result. This confidence that he has in the Lord that we saw in verse 1, what is the result of that when facing his enemies? Verse 2, it says that, it says, My adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Verse 3, he says, My heart shall not fear. Even though there's an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. And then he says at the end of verse 3, Yet I will be confident. We see the confidence that he has, and it's because of the Lord. He has confidence in the face of fear. Because the Lord is his light, his salvation, his stronghold. Notice how the author, notice how David doesn't say that all these things are removed. The trouble, the enemies, they're not removed from him. But his heart is secure in the stronghold of the Lord. Think about a bridge over an ocean. Maybe the Golden Gate Bridge. The foundation for the bridge is down through the ocean floor and has been has been dug down into the rock that's even below the ocean. So no matter what the water does up above, there's waves and winds, the bridge is secure because it's founded on this deep, firm foundation. And in the same way, David is showing that that's where he is. He's, there, he's dug down deep into the stronghold of the Lord. The Lord has secured him on this stronghold, on himself, to be a firm foundation. So we may wonder, how do we fit into this psalm? We are not in the same situation as David was. We don't have armies who are looking to take, uh, take over or to, uh, that are rising against us. But it's important to think about who is our enemy? What is our enemy? We see in Ephesians 6, Paul says, We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers 
of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, against people, against physical things, but we are wrestling. Our enemy is the spiritual forces of evil. Our enemy is evil that reigns in the hearts and minds of all people. Even for us who are Christians, evil still lurks in our hearts. By God's grace, he is sanctifying us. He is slowly us over time making us holy, but there's still evil inside of us. We're still battling this evil. And so, as you feel fearful, maybe even angry, be reminded that the real enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not a person or a certain people, but it's the spiritual forces of evil. But knowing that, how do we then proceed with confidence like David had? How can we face this fearful enemy in the same way that David did? I think his answer is in verse 1, where he says that the Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold. And so we must make God our light, our salvation, our stronghold. God is the one who opens our eyes to see Him and to see ourselves clearly. We can see that He is holy and we are not. He is the light to show us that. Then, God is the one who provides graciously a way of salvation. Through faith in Jesus, who shed His blood for us, we are made clean, we are made right before God. And God's salvation does not just mean we stay where we are, but we're to walk faithfully with Him along a path. We need His guidance. We need Him to be our refuge. We need Him to be our foundation, our stronghold, the solid ground beneath us as we walk to follow Him in a faithful life. So we want to consider and keep in mind these three aspects of of God and confidence in the Lord, that He is our light, our salvation, and our stronghold. He is our foundation. And I have four points of application from the passage as we we go through it this morning. Four points of application where we can see these things played out. The first one comes from verse 4 to 8. Number one, seek God's presence. Seek God's presence. Not presence like a gift, but presence as in being near Him, being with Him. Let's look at verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. The author is saying that he seeks to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So he wants to dwell, to gaze, and to inquire. These are important verbs for us to consider. To dwell in the house of the Lord is to be in the presence of God. 
God's dwelling place is the tabernacle or is the temple. That's where God reveals himself, makes himself known. He reveals his beauty. And that's why we see David desiring to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. He also reveals wisdom, truth. That's why David wants to inquire in his temple. There is truth there and beauty there. But from this, we can see David wants to be near to God. He wants to be in the presence of God. And then in verse 5 and 6, he says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above all my enemies all around. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. So we see in these two verses the images of salvation being rescued and secured by God and also this stronghold, God being the foundation. It says in verse 5 that he will lift me high upon a rock. There's that solid rock, the image of the solid rock again. And we see too that this dwelling place, to dwell in the house of the Lord, is attractive. We want to be there just as David wants to be there. At the end of verse 6, he says, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. It's desirable to be in the house of the Lord, to be near to God. There is joy. There is singing and making melody. This is a good place to be. Now in verse 7 and 8, it says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. So we see here the passion and the urgency that David has to seek God's presence. He desires it in verse 4. Here he's crying out. Hear, O Lord, I cry aloud, he says. Be gracious to me, answer me. And even his heart is saying, Your face, Lord, do I seek. It's not an outside appearance, but it's from deep within. His whole heart is seeking the Lord. He wants God's face. He's not asking for stuff from God. He's not asking for peace among the nations. He's not asking for wisdom or a blessing. He's not even asking for more faith. He's asking and seeking for God himself. As I think about this image of him seeking God's face, it makes me remember a few times where my young kids have been close to me, maybe I'm holding them, but they want to get my attention. Maybe I'm talking to someone or looking at my phone, and they put both hands on my face, and they turn my face so that I'm looking directly at them. And then they ask me the question, or they say whatever it is they want to say. They want my attention. Well, God is, God is definitely a better father than I am. There's no doubt about that. He's not distracted. He wants to be found. He wants to be known by us. But I think about us wanting to see him and, and wanting to hold his face. 
like a small child would want to hold the face of their parents so that they know they have their attention. They know that they are cared for. In Luke 11, Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one to the one who knocks it will be opened. And later in this same sequence, Jesus says that when we seek and when we ask and seek, God gives Himself. He gives the Holy Spirit. That is God Himself. And so, seeking God gets us exactly what we need, the best that we could ever have, and that's God Himself. So we see the picture of seeking God's presence in Luke 11, just as we see here and what David is talking about. So how do we how do we seek God's presence? What does that look like or feel like? We want to have a, a heartfelt desire to seek God's face, to seek his presence. And if we don't have that, we should ask God to give us that desire. In verse 4, it seems as if David is saying, I ask of the Lord that I will seek after. To me, this looks like he's asking that he would seek. And if we don't have that desire, we want to ask God that he would give us the desire to seek him and to know him. And we do this now by not going to a temple in order to to meet with God, but we we can know God now by reading his word. We have the Bible to read and we know him through reading his word. But not only that, we're also to be in the house of the Lord. And now that means, in the context, that means being in a church, being in a local church, being with God's people, to live out a life of faith in a gospel community of believers who have covenanted together. That's important for us to do, that we would know God through reading his word and through doing that with his people. So in short, join a local church if you have not, and also be involved. Now the second application from this passage this morning is trust in God's salvation. Number two, trust in God's salvation. Verse 9 says, Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Think about what what do we deserve. We deserve for God to hide his face from us. We don't deserve to be in his presence. Our sinful hearts and our sinful actions disqualify us from entering the presence of God. In our natural state, in our natural place, we have all turned away from God and we deserve for him to cast us off, to forsake us, and to leave us outside. But yet, we see here 
in verse 9 and 10 that David is confessing first that he doesn't deserve this. He's asking God out of his mercy, hide not your face from me. He knows that he does not deserve it, but he's writing these verses in a, in a humble way, from a place of, of humbleness, confessing that he doesn't deserve it, but he's asking God to show mercy. Just like he said in verse 7, be gracious to me and answer me. It's on God's grace and mercy, not on David's worth, that God would reveal himself to him and would save him. David recognizes that, and we see that in these verses. Verse 10, where he talks about his mother and his father. He's not putting his parents down. It's possible that they had passed away already. And so they were not there to help him against these enemies. He's not highlighting their shortcomings, but he's highlighting God's faithfulness. That God cares for and loves David even more than his parents. And it's similar. It's the same for us. God loves us. God loves you, friend, more than your parents or any other person can love you. The last line of, last part of verse 10, he says, the Lord will take me in. Again, this is not because David deserves it, but this is because God loves him and cares for him. It's out of God's grace and mercy that he brings him in. So for us, we should trust in God's salvation, recognizing and remembering that we do not deserve his salvation, but it is his free gift to us. So when we face fearful things outside, or we recognize fear in our own hearts or sin, we see that we do not deserve God's love. We do not deserve his salvation, but he has given it to us as a gift out of his love, out of his grace and his mercy, because he is worthy. The salvation that God has prepared for his people is a gift to all those who repent of their sin and believe in Jesus. So if you're not a Christian, I hope and pray that God opens your eyes to the truth of the gospel, the good news that there is salvation for your soul and it is found by faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. Christians, brothers and sisters, for us today, we, we should not overlook the gospel message. We should not think that salvation is finished and that we now move on to something else. We need to remember what God has done for us and be reminded of his salvation and continue to trust in God's salvation. We must continue to trust that God has saved us, he has justified us, and he is sanctifying us. He is making us holy. His salvation plan is still right, and it is still ongoing. And we must remember that. So as we're reminded of God's trustworthiness, we arrive at our third application for this morning. And that is follow God's path. Follow God's path. 
Verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Verse 11 asks to be taught the way. He says, Teach me your way, O Lord. Again, this is, he's not looking for his problems to disappear. He's not saying, let me, let me rest or please make my life easy. No, he just wants to know what is the way? What's the right way to go? How should I live? And he says, lead me on the level path. Now remember the stronghold from verse 1 and the, the rock that's mentioned in verse 5. And here the, the psalmist is asking to be led on the level path. One commentator that I read said that this level path is is not necessarily saying that it's that it's uh, smooth or that it's easy going, but in that it's the the level path and that it's the right way and it's secure. It's the right and secure way. So it's a similar image to the to the rock or to the stronghold. I remember hiking in the mountains um, in in late spring, early summer. And and in the mountains, it was still cold enough for some of the snow to be left. And there was snow at times covering the path that we were walking. It was hard on top, and it looked very, very secure. And even we saw some small animals running across it with no problem. But walking on top of it was actually very difficult because it was not strong enough to support our weight. So we would we would break through and then be standing in ankle-deep mud and snow mix. It was unstable, and it was, it was difficult to move and to be able to continue. It was not a, it was not a stable path. And we were gra- glad when we finished that area and got back onto the, to the rock, to the ground that was, that was secure and that was strong. In a similar way, the psalmist here is asking to be led on that on that strong path, the right way, not not a way that will break through or that has no foundation. The level path is the is the stable path. It's the path on on solid ground, and the author is asking for that path to be to be sure to be stable. So from this we can see that. Confidence in life does not come from our circumstances, what's going on outside. Confidence does not come from within us either. We don't, on our own, have what it takes to be confident and stable in this world. But confidence, stability, can come only by following God's path. By following his way. Verse 12, we see that David knows who the enemy is. He understands the will of his enemy and he asks not to be given up to them. He knows what they want to do with him. And we too should understand and know who our enemy is. I talked earlier about how Enemy, our enemy is evilness, the evilness of sin. 
wickedness. So we should understand, we should know that that is our enemy. It is not a, a certain person or a, a certain people or even a certain belief, but it is evil. And then we should also learn, as David is asking here, to follow God's way, to follow God's path. I remember hearing an illustration about this idea that we as Christians are stumbling our way to heaven. We're not on a smooth path, but a difficult one. And because we're still fighting evil, we fail. We fall. But following is getting back up and continuing to follow again. We do this by repenting of our sin, confessing that we have sinned and that our sin is evil. And that by our sin is giving in to the will of our adversaries, not to the will of our Father. So we need to recognize that and admit that and confess that when we fall and when we fail. And then we follow David's lead and ask God to put us on the right way, that he would lead us in his way and make our path level, make our path secure. Lastly, number four, wait with courage. Our fourth application is wait with courage. The passage, this passage ends um, in verse 13 and 14 with the same confidence that we see at the beginning in, verse, in the first three verses. Look at verse 13 with me. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Notice the confidence that he has. I believe I shall look. He knows there will be a time when he will look at the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's looking forward to seeing God's goodness played out. And ultimately, this is a look to the end of time when Jesus has returned, when God has made everything right. There's a new heaven and new earth. It's not only that time that he's looking at, but ultimately that's the direction. He knows there will be a time when it's all God's goodness in the land of the living. And he's looking forward to that. But he is looking forward and also waiting. Notice the the looking forward and also waiting. Verse 14, he says, wait for the Lord twice. And in the middle, be strong And let your heart take courage. He's waiting with courage. It's courageous to wait when we're waiting for the Lord. But how do we wait well in these circumstances? It seems like that's all we can do, but it's very difficult to do. We can wait with confidence when we wait with as we wait for the Lord. Now, many of us, maybe all of us on the call, are waiting for the lockdown to end. We are waiting for that. But there's 
other things that we wait for. There's many things that we wait on the Lord for. We might wait for release from lockdown. We wait for reunion with loved ones. We also wait for justice that has not been accomplished yet. We wait for our full redemption, that we would realize the redemption that God has purchased for us. We are waiting for these things and longing for them. And David says that we can wait for the Lord with courage, being strong in Him, knowing all these things that we have looked at. Because He is the light and salvation and the stronghold of our life, we can wait and we can wait well. I remember hearing a story of a, a POW, a prisoner of war camp. And they talked about the two different types of people. Some that went crazy because they wanted to be rescued, but there was had not been rescued yet. And some who were waiting well. They were waiting with confidence. And their confidence was not so much in a timing but it was in the hope that they would be rescued. When they continued to say, this will end. We don't know when, but we will be rescued. They had a confident hope that they would and they could carry on. Those who set times and said, they'll rescue us by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and go and they weren't rescued yet. Or they said, they'll rescue us by Easter. And then Easter would come and go and they weren't rescued yet. It was demoralizing. They were setting a hope on a timing instead of setting hope on something solid. And I think that's important for us, that we would rest our hope as we wait on the Lord. That we would rest our hope on Him. That He would be our stronghold, our foundation that we stand on, knowing He will save us. He will rescue us. I believe, like it says in verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When we wait like that, we can wait, not putting time limits, not putting parameters on how we wait, but we can wait with courage when we wait with our hope in the Lord. Now there is much fear in our lives and around us. There is much to be angry about and rage about. But what we need is the light, the salvation, and the stronghold that is our Lord. So brothers and sisters, friends, seek the Lord. Know Him, trust Him, and wait on Him with courage. Let's meditate on Psalm 27 this week. And let's look for and see how our confidence grows in God. Our confidence in God grows as we seek His face. We want to see how our confidence in God grows as we seek His face. Let's pray. Hear, O Lord, when we cry aloud to You, be gracious to us. God, we seek Your face. Help us to seek Your face. Give us a heart that says, Your face, Lord, do I seek. God, we confess that often we seek good news about our situation. 
We seek good news of negative COVID tests. We seek good news of no more lockdown. But God, stir in us a desire to seek you, to desire to dwell in your presence, to worship you with shouts of joy and as we sing and make melody. God, help us to depend on you as the stronghold of our life that we would not fear and we would not be afraid. We pray this to your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.